Welcome back to the St Edward's School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the school. Now today we're talking to Head of Individual Learning at the Senior School, Emma B. So in this episode, we'll be finding out exactly what individual learning is, how many students require extra support and the reasons for this, but also why individual learning is good for the whole school and not just those who require it. But we'll also be discussing neurodiversity and learning walks and how they're involved in individual learning too. So come with me now as we talk to Head of Individual Learning at the Senior School, Emma B. Emma, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you, Simon. Today I've been... Oh, what have I been doing? It's been a very varied start to the morning, as it usually is. I had a planned lesson at 8.15 this morning, so that's before school, and I taught a Year 10 pupil on a particular English question that we're doing at the moment, talking also about their exams and how they've just had their exams, so how they've been getting on. Also, then I did a learning walk where I went round year seven and had a look at some of their lessons. So that was really exciting. And it was great to see some of the things that we put on the profiles being actually used in the lesson. I went to a Latin lesson, so that was great. And then I was having quite a long chat with my colleague upstairs because we were trying to sort out somebody's timetable in, re- in relation to some of the subjects that they are struggling with at the mm-hmm. moment. And then I had a, a quite a lengthy email from a parent, so I needed to have a look at that as well. So, yes, busy morning. It's been busy. busy <laughs> yeah, busy. very busy morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess a typical day in the life of, of what you do, and like a lot of people in school, tends to be quite varied from one day to the next. Yes, it is. It is a very varied timetable. I, I do have set lessons that I teach and, you know, some of those rotate in the week. So they're not always at the, set, at the same time, but a lot of my work revolves around I suppose you know planning ahead for those young people that we support but also responding to the immediate needs that that crop up on a daily basis. Okay so we're going to be learning a lot from you on this podcast episode about individual learning so I'm really looking forward to talking about that but before we do that just tell us a little summary about where you went to school yourself what part of the world you were brought up in and whether your own school experience was positive. Okay, so I am a local girl. I grew up in Cheltenham, so I know the education system around here quite well. I went to the local grammar school, which was single sex when I started, and it was mixed by the time I left. I think my own, you know, my own educational experience was, I suppose, quite sheltered in that respect. Mm -hmm. Um, My sister went to a local comprehensive and I know that she would come home and tell me things about her educational experience that um, were quite different from the sort of things that I was experiencing so you know we we, I had that I had the understanding but I didn't necessarily see life perhaps as it you know as it is out there and it is quite varied and people from social different social demographics Mm. I went to university I studied French Mm -hmm. And then I thought a little bit about what I wanted to do. I'd always had jobs working with young people. So I did a lot of babysitting. When I was 18, I got a job on what they called the play scheme, which was a summer job. And I absolutely loved that. I just, just, you know, I, th- I thought to my, to m- in my mind, it was the best way of, of earning some money in the holidays, really, was just working with young people, mm. working with teenagers, working with young ones. I just, I really loved it. And then 
obviously I was studying French so I looked at what I could do with that and I just felt as if I really wanted to marry the two Mm. I did look at primary education and then I figured that actually with my language skills that it was probably better suited to secondary and then I did a, a PGCE in Manchester and yeah from there I got my first you know my first teaching job so I was initially a language teacher but always really at the core was about supporting those young people with 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 needs I think Mm. and looking at why they struggled to learn and I think in a language classroom it often becomes very apparent quite early on when you know because they perhaps they've got literacy difficulties in their own language and then they find it difficult to you know to 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 obviously master a foreign mm. language I remember once I worked in quite quite a tough school in Hereford that was my first my first teaching role and one of the boys said to me Miss B you're you're trying to teach us how to tell the time and and I can't tell the time in English so this is really hard for me and I think that you know that was quite apparent you know very early on that you know that I I wanted to work with those kinds of people that you know that find things maybe a little bit more difficult but find a way around it gosh right so tell me then what individual learning actually is if I was a parent and I came to the school and and I heard that there was someone who's in charge of individual learning tell us in a snapshot what it's all about really in well individual learning it sort of almost does what it says on the tin really it it it, it is about the individual It, it focuses very much on each child's not necessarily their academic profile it's not just to do with that it's it's about how they how they learn their put their personality traits their you know all of the things that they that they have you know developed the way that they've developed you know from from sort of early education right through to their to, to their secondary transition so what we're doing is we're getting information from feeder schools so that we make that a positive transition you know we're we're picking up the ones perhaps initially that where there have been additional needs identified those are the ones that my attention's being drawn to so that I can make sure that those transitions are positive and then we and then obviously we're looking at you know I, I I don't do the cognitive screening but there is cognitive screening that I then look at and then we do our own screening for all the pupils that come into the school so we have um a test that we do on literacy skills mm-hmm. or it, it's not really a test it's more like just an assessment an overview of, of where they're at and then we have another one which you know looks at, at other other sort of functional skills like things like telling the time being able to write the alphabet in the right order things mm-hmm. like that and then we're pulling all that information together and really trying to get a better understanding of of those young people that that come into the school so the more that parents can talk to us the more information they give us the better that process is mm-hmm. really because what we're all about really is making sure that we you know we're, we're constantly underpinning their education with the support that they need and that's when it comes back down to being an individual really so you say about the support that they need I mean how many children in, in school just roughly need the extra support with this individual learning so at the moment, we've got about 30% of the school with what we call our IL profile, which is where they have, so it, it's like, a, it's a document that, that basically gets circulated to all the teachers that has background information, things about their strengths, their their areas of need, and then the strategies to support them. So, but when I say 30%, sometimes it, it fluctuates between year groups, you know, that and that's the thing about about individual learning is it can be a little bit nebulous because it's constantly 
changing and it you know it depends on the the cohort that we get in it depends on how much information I get mm. but I think the other thing to point out as well and that's you know and that's why it really is about the individual is it, it individual learning spans the entire academic profile so you've got pupils that have identified needs who are cognitively very able you've got others that struggle more with the curriculum it's yeah it's difficult to explain sometimes so when we talk about individual learning then I mean what what kinds of reasons are there why a child might need an additional support okay so they might come in with an identified need so sometimes you know um, young people have been identified early on with things like autism or ADHD you know or ADHD with inattentiveness they may have you know and it can be something that's like a you know medically diagnosed but it can also be that they're just perhaps showing characteristics or traits of things so you know it it could be that you know at primary school they were just they were like running out of time and or that their spelling was you know not slightly what it should be or that perhaps you know that their cognitive profile suggests that they're you know should be a performing at one level but actually they're really struggling to get their ideas down in the format that we require them to Mm. do it and that's you know not meaning that their performance is affected and so it can be such a wide range of needs and sometimes it's very difficult because I think you know often parents you know sometimes parents want a diagnosis and they want to call it something they you know often people like the term dyslexia other people don't want that diagnosis so sometimes it's just easier to talk about the things that 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 young person is struggling with and then try and look at what the strategies are to to support and help them really but equally sometimes you know having a label for it I'm all about having the right label rather than the wrong label Mm. and I think sometimes what happens is that you know young people can be struggling with something and they're considered you know they get they get labels like lazy mm. or you know a daydreamer or other things which aren't necessarily helpful because there's an underlying need and we're trying to like find out how to support that more effectively so i guess in the past i'm sort of thinking you know the 50s 60s or, or 70s or 80s when some of the parents listening to this may have gone to school themselves there there may have been labels that were attached to certain individuals in their classes which may have been incorrect at the time because you know you talk about yeah. the laziness for example that, that's probably it's yeah. probably a good example actually yeah. isn't it where where yeah. someone I don't think was... anybody's born lazy no no I think it's a I think it's you know there's 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 generally a reason it's a coping strategy or it's actually that you know they lose focus and concentration and that's how they appear to be I think it's just maybe an, e- an easier way for people to describe it and make it the person's responsibility rather than than actually us as you know in the teaching profession or as or as parents to actually help that person to do things differently look at it a new way basically but yeah I think you're absolutely right years ago a lot of these things would have gone unidentified I mean there's a lot of you know often these things are I always think of them as traits because I think they they run in families they're you know they're who you are they're that's that's the person that you are they're not bad things they're Mm. you know they're what they're what makes you you and actually just you know often people that that do things perhaps a little bit differently are you know they they do things in a 
in an amazing way you know they think differently and then one of the words people use at the moment is you know neurodiversity which is neurologically diverse and I, I you know I think it's a, a great way to embrace those differences and you know actually say that these you know they've, there's a lot to to be said and and for them to offer things they you know I just it's about being inclusive neurodiversity you mentioned that like it's a word that uh, that there's there's a very kind of popular or common word right now it, it it may be in your circles but i'm thinking that there might be some parents including the parent who you're talking to right now i.e me uh, who don't actually know really what that means tell us a little bit about it okay so it sort of it embraces you know sort of areas of additional needs such as things like dyspraxia which is now called developmental coordination disorder which I don't really like the idea that it's a disorder because I just like I said before you know some of these names just lend themselves to feeling a bit negative about things Mm. so Mm. I you know I think it's you know and I think this this idea that that we don't all think in the same way and that actually having a better understanding of the way that people think who do perhaps you know have been have an autism diagnosis or they call it Asperger's now is called autism level one you've got ADHD which is you know attention deficit hyperactivity again that word disorder but actually you know just just the seeing the benefits of the way that they you know that they function and operate is you know it's about being inclusive isn't it really and do you find that sometimes when a, a name changes, like a diagnosis changes, that it's a helpful step because maybe it came with negative connotations beforehand? Yes, I think it can be. It can be helpful, but it can be confusing as well. But it, I think it's, I think it's, it's probably about how we try to perceive that. You know, the, the slight changes that you make sometimes in a classroom for those people, for those young people often they're things that are supportive for everybody Mm. so you Mm. know things like having having you know key language around the classroom so that you've got a prompt you know in your subject area is I think something that that helps everyone really and you know having somebody who you know having like visual aids things like that tactile so having you know the, the physically being able to sort of move things about and do things in in a different way I think that's the point is everybody learns differently I think that's probably what I'm trying to get around to (laughs) (laughs) we all lived we all learn differently Mm. and I think that's what individual learning is all about embracing so obviously individual learning is great for those children in school who absolutely need it tell me why it's good for the whole school though including those pupils who maybe don't need it yeah Going back to the original part where I started to talk about the screening and the things that we do in terms of trying to identify whether or not there is an underlying need, it's all about making sure that we are supporting and nurturing and putting in the right strategies in place for all of those young people that come to us, not just the ones that we've already previously identified. Because sometimes, Mm. you know, like you talked about in the 50s and 60s, people, you know, not necessarily having that that you know diagnosis or understanding Mm. and I think that that can often it can still happen because in a you know that in the in the primary setting in early years you're still trying to work out who somebody is and you just Mm. don't necessarily want to give them a diagnosis but those just sort of so that we can you know help and support other people I mean I've had you know I have sometimes I sometimes I feel really guilty because I have you know year 13s who 
we suddenly realise that there is something there that we've missed. And it, it isn't that we've missed it. It's just that they've had those coping strategies. And I think that that's what we're trying to do is to develop coping strategies for all those young people and to make sure that we're, we're putting in that process for them. So early identification, if we can do it, is better, really. You know, it is about just trying to make sure that you're not missing anything and that, you know, and that those, you know, if there is something there that we could we could help and support. I mean, that, you know, I do think, you know, it, it, it's such a reflective experience being in individual learning because you you do you go back to your own education and you think well actually you know and it it makes you think about yourself and whether or not your learning could have been different and you know I just think the more we the more self-aware we are and the more we look at how we do things the more we can help and support those young people that we encounter really. Now you mentioned at the start of this that you've just been on a learning walk tell us what a learning walk is in school. Okay, so what I try to do is we have the profiles, which are for all those young people who have the identified additional needs. And so teachers are obviously aware of their strengths and their needs and all the strategies that we have offered to that young person and also to the teachers to support them. And what I try to do is to just go in at least once a year to each year group and make sure that those strategies are being embedded in the classroom really it's not me checking up on the teachers or checking up on the pupils it's just to sort of see it's it's a it's meant to be a helpful process and it's to make sure that I you know I'm aware of the things that that are happening for that young person in the classroom and Mm. also maybe to that there are things that I could say to the teacher you know have you thought about trying this or you know if you, you know or say you know if you put that pupil there that might help a bit or you know it's it's meant to be supportive really and then I can also tweak the profile according to things that I've seen and do you do you know what as well it's just such an honor and a privilege to go into those lessons because there's so much good stuff going on and I don't think you can really appreciate how how much the teachers are helping and supporting those those young people unless you've actually seen it and it just gives a different dynamic to the to the department really because obviously we're not in classrooms all the time no rightly so rightly so emma we need to bring this to a close in a minute but if anyone's heard anything and if they wanted to get in touch what's the best way they could connect with you probably via email so if they well if they want to email me at e bwe at st edwards.co.uk that would be that would be great okay so that's e.b that's bwe at st edwards.co.uk fantastic well look thank you so much for your time thanks for being here and talking about individual learning it's clear that it's such an important subject in school and i really appreciate you opening that up to us thank you thank you so that was head of individual learning at the senior school emma b thank you emma for joining us on this episode of the podcast Now, if you're listening and you have any questions, then do just email Emma at e.b, that's B-double-e, at stedwards.co.uk, and she'll be right there to answer your questions. But our next episode is coming out soon, so in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.